This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. It is not intended to cause or induce breach of an existing agency agreement. The goal of this podcast since day one is to provide the best information on the Vancouver real estate market at no cost to you, the listeners. To that end, we'd like to thank the following sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by Marcon, a local family-owned and managed real estate development and construction company that's been around for nearly four decades. Marcon is not only committed to high-quality construction, but it also is making a positive impact in the communities in which it builds all across the Lower Mainland. We want to highlight two incredible Marcon projects. Elmwood, a 38-story tower located at Burquitlam's most important intersection, Como Lake Avenue and Clark Road. This landmark tower will feature 335 condominiums, over 37,000 square feet of office and retail space, and almost 20,000 square feet of amenity space. Elmwood has been incredibly popular with 80% sold currently, but they still have a great selection of junior one-bedroom all the way to three-bedroom homes remaining. Check out markon.ca slash Elmwood for more. And Matt, we are also excited about Sone House, Markon's newest community in West Coquitlam. With 165 homes ranging from junior one beds to three beds, Sone House offers the perfect West Coast aesthetic with a more nuanced Nordic-inspired design. Register today at markon.ca slash Sonehouse. That's S-O-E-N-H-A-U-S. Or you can learn more at markon.ca or follow them at Instagram at markonhomes. Markon, building for life. Hello? 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 This is the Vancouver Weather State Podcast. And welcome back to Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Scalina. And I'm your other host, Matt Scalina. And Matt, today we do not have a guest. It's just you and I. And uh, we were actually just talking about this. We've had a ton of people reach out and they want us to discuss the merits of pre-sale versus resale construction right now in today's market. Yeah. And some of you will remember we put a seminar on uh, late last year and we're going to do more seminars uh, coming up in the future here. But we're going to take a lot of the ideas there and kind of spell out where we are on pre-sale versus resale. For sure. And we're going to discuss kind of where we're at, the, the top seven reasons why we believe that it's best to invest in this market in resale construction. And then at the end, we've got four bonus tips for investors looking to buy in Vancouver. Regardless of what you're looking to buy, these are going to be very useful. Yeah, that's right. But before we get to that, Adam, I should say I was just looking at some newly built and some pre-sale options up in Fort St. John. I just got back. So Matt, we should say that there are some exceptions to what we're going to argue in this episode. And Fort St. John is definitely one of them. So you, you headed up, you flew. Yeah, I flew up to Fort St. John on the weekend. It was a quick trip in and out. There was a lot of real positives uh, from going on that trip. One is that you can literally see it's like a slingshot being wound up up there with just the number of projects that are over a billion dollars. Like, I mean, we always always talk about $40 billion of LNG, but when you meet people from BC Hydro, like we did talking about Site C Dam and just listing and driving around looking at sites 
of all these different projects where it's like this one's worth 1.3 billion this one's worth you know x it becomes so clear that the next 10 20 30 years in Fort St. John are going to be huge years of growth and uh you know just talking to people up there like city councilors you know you learn things that you didn't realize before like one you can't actually build just build outwards in Fort St. John it's actually not possible so there's limited supply is it's restricted land yeah, there's ALR land up there. Uh, the The building season is small. The actual infrastructure to build is not in place uh, outside of the current limits on the city. Um, so there's a lot of restrictions that way. Also, they've built in the last five years two new elementary schools. So why is that important? Well, here's what was so exciting about that. There's only been three, I think it's in the last five years, five, six years. Uh, don't quote me on the actual year, but very recently, Three elementary schools built in British Columbia. One was in Surrey. Okay. Two are in Fort St. John. So if that doesn't suggest that the BC provincial government is not understanding what's going on up in Fort St. John or what's about to happen in Fort St. John, um, you know, nothing does. It's young families. The median income something like 130K a year. Wow. And, uh, you know, we were talking to a guy I hope to get on the podcast actually in the future but, I mean, the wind-up here, we're just at the beginning of at least a 10-year kind of run. So it's, it's exciting got, times up there. We've got a lot of inventory coming in Fort St. John. Brand new construction condos and townhomes and detached houses. Super exciting, right? Yeah. So so the last thing about it is that is a market where pre-sale obviously makes sense because a lot of money is being injected into that economy right now. They're expecting kind of 18 months to two years is when the rubber hits the road and it goes kind of bananas. Right. Um, so pre-sale makes sense up there. But today we want to talk about what makes sense in Vancouver specifically. But before we get to that, Matt, we had a lot of people reach out. The spring market is upon us. Oh, it's a beehive of activity around here. That's right. for sure. We're talking to a lot of people. Partly because we're beekeeping. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That has nothing to do with uh, people. Oh, also up. the real estate market's <laughs> buzzing. Yeah, exactly. Right. No, but people getting in touch. Yeah, there's a lot of people getting in touch. And the appraised values came out in early January. We're at the end of January. If you're thinking of listing this year, now is the perfect time to get in touch. But one thing we want to point out was... Appraised values, whether you're in a condo, they might be a little bit higher than market value because they went up dramatically, but they're from last July, right? That's when that appraised value happened. Single family homes, it could be below market value. Appraised value is not necessarily a good reflection of the market. Don't be the person that falls for appraised value. Really, don't be that person. Get in touch. We can do a full-scale market analysis for you, let you know exactly where your property is should be listed at. And then also, Matt, we've got PCS. Well, yeah, private client services, that real estate research tool we talk about all the time, if you just want to get a sense of where your property is, more than appraised value, the places selling around your house or condo are a better reflection. You can sign up for a free account on VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com and you're going to have the most up-to-date market information better than anything else out there. Learn what your neighbors are selling for without making that awkward call to your neighbors <laughs> or their realtor. Uh, it is it is real-time information and it is right at your fingertips and it's free at VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. But without further ado, Adam, maybe we should cut to that fantastic conversation you had with me. Yeah, enjoy.
Okay, Matt. So today we're talking about pre-sale versus resale. What should you buy? The debate rages. <laughs> it rages. It's a one-sided debate. It's us arguing seven points why we think that you should be looking at resale construction. So properties already built in the Vancouver area in this current market. That's let's go. right. That's right. So let's get to number one. No time to spare. Price. Question for you, Adam. What is more expensive? A newer condo built in, say, the last five years? Okay. Or that exact same condo that is yet to be built and is a pre-sale? Well, Matt, I would think because I'm buying something that's pre-sale and I have to wait for it and I don't get to see it, it's probably less expensive than than something that I can actually view, right? Well, Adam, that's interesting you say that. That's actually a common misconception in this market. Pre-sales actually sell, on average, 25 to 30% more than built condos. So you're telling me that I'm buying something off of spec, off of plan, and I got to pay a premium for it because it's brand new. Yeah, uh, to the tune of 25 to 30%. And we should say, the numbers we're about to cite here are from the last quarter of 2018. Right. This is a moving target, but 25 to 30% was accurate as of the last quarter of 2018. Now let's look at three separate markets. I'm going to give you some some averages here. Pre-sale market on the west side of Vancouver, the average selling price, fifteen twenty-five a foot. So $1,525 a foot. That's for brand new. That's for brand new that is yet to exist pre-construction. Okay. On the resale market, those same properties in the last five years on average were selling for eleven fifty a foot. Wow. So that's almost $400 a foot difference. Okay. So what if we move to a market maybe like Burnaby? Burnaby. So let's look at Brentwood. Pre-sale construction, you're buying properties right now for about 11 and a quarter a foot, more or less. Okay. On the resale market, that same product, about 850 a foot. A couple years old. A couple years old. So, so still new, still looks new, still in great still shape. Still under warranty. Still under warranty, still modern, and I'm paying a, a pretty dramatic difference in the price per square Now foot. let's look at New West. We're talking, call it 900 a foot to 1,000 a foot, depending on the, on the project. Or maybe even more, Pure West maybe even more. And on the resale market, newer product there sells for about 700 a foot. So we're seeing across the board significant price differentials between pre-sales that you buy from the showroom on spec and resale properties that exist. Wow. So, okay. So in other words, Matt, before we move to number two, I just want to recap here. You are going to pay about 25 to 30% more for new construction, brand new construction. It kind of reminds me of uh, the percentage spread that you likely pay when you drive a brand new car off the lot. Yeah, that, that's exactly it. I mean, it, there's there's a huge premium to have brand new. Yeah, and that new car smell though. Yeah, of course. Number two, ability to negotiate. So Matt, think about developers out there. Think about the big developers in the city. We won't name them, but you know who we're talking about. These are developers that have basically built a machine. So they are developing regardless of the market. They're still acquiring land. They're still building. They're still selling. This is what they do. And they are confident about the market. They're confident about the market. They also have professional negotiators, professional economists. They have more access to more resources and Major more experience for than you do. That's just a fact. And and the other thing we'll say is they also have deep pockets. So they can weather a storm. They, they're willing to wait. They're willing to hold out. And now let's move to the regular seller. So, you, you know, like you and I, most of the people that are listening right now, the regular sellers that deal with different motivations. You've got death, divorce, family expanding, a new job, relocation, 
Maybe you're anxious about the market. These are kind of the things that drive people, regular folks that move through the market to either move or to sell their properties. That's right. And you know what? We often say when you're looking for a deal, you look for two things, a distressed seller or a distressed realtor. Now, when we talk about distressed realtors, maybe their negotiating skills are not so hot. When you talk about a distressed seller, maybe uh, they have to move to Calgary and they got to get this home sold by by the end of the month. We don't know. But the point is this. If you're talking about the largest developers in Vancouver and you're trying to negotiate with them, I would rather any day of the week be negotiating with John Q. Public than uh, one of the major developers in Vancouver. Yeah, and and this is basically what we're, we're getting at, right? Number two is the ability to negotiate a better deal with a regular person, right? Because then you can actually throw offers at different properties and test somebody's likelihood that they'll sell at a major discount. That's right. Moving on to number three. Fewer costs on the resale market at completion. Now, we're going to cover two things here, closing costs and construction delays. So let's start with closing costs, Matt. So let's look at resale versus presale. And I'm going to just give you an arbitrary purchase price, $800,000. Okay, let's look at that. $800,000 on the resale versus presale market. Well, there's some costs that are unavoidable regardless of whether it's built or it's presale. That's property transfer tax. Now on 800K, that's 1% on the first 200,000 and 2% on the balance. That's a wash. There's also notary or lawyer fees. You're going to have to pay someone to help get your name on title and have that money change hands. That's, let's call it $1,500. That's also a wash. You're going to need that regardless of whether it's resale or presale. Right. Where there's a difference, though, is on the new construction or the presale construction, the tax known as GST we're all familiar with, 5%. That is only applicable on brand new construction. That's not applicable on the resale market. So you're telling me if I want something that's brand new and I buy presale, I have to pay GST. And that doesn't go to the developer. It doesn't benefit me in any way. I just pay on an $800,000 property an extra $40,000. That's right. So if we take all those closing costs together, on the resale market, on top, you're paying $15,500. On the pre-sale, you're paying $55,500. That is a massive difference in closing costs. Yeah. I mean, $40,000, that's 5% of the purchase price that you're going to have to make up before you even break even. And that's just straight to the government. So Matt, what about construction delays? Because you know we often deal with people that buy new construction and projects are never built on time. Well, one of the things we tell people that buy pre-sales is expect delays. I right. mean, it's almost... And it's not it's, the developer's fault. It's no. not the developer's fault. Because let's think of the city of Vancouver getting people out, getting the permit process completed. It takes forever. And on top of that, we have a shortage of skilled labor. Yeah. So so there's... Let's not lay the blame. It's not the blame game here. But here's a fact. Often projects run late to the tune of about six months to a year. So let's use that $800,000 uh, condo that we just talked about as a pre-sale you're into that for 20%, which usually it's 15 to 25%, but okay. let's say 20% deposit paid. It's sitting in a trust account. That's $160,000. That's $160,000. Now let's say it's a year behind schedule. Well, you can do a lot with $160,000. There's opportunity costs. Let's just say you put it in a GIC at 3%. Right. Now that's not great, but you're still making $4,800 off that money. Whereas if you're waiting on a presale. A, you're not sure when it's going to complete. And during that time, you get zero on that money. And imagine you would have put it in weed stocks. 
Ooh, I mean, my, my don't even get me started. My, my purple Kush is outperforming point zero three. <laughs> number four. Okay, Matt. Number four is managing risks. So what I mean by that is when you buy in the in the resale market, you usually have about a one to three month completion period. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, you know, you can do a quick completion two weeks or you, you can delay it a little bit longer, but typically one to three months. Yeah. So what you get to do in that period of time is you get to lock in your mortgage rate. You have an appraisal done almost immediately. So you know exactly what the property is going to appraise at. You have, you know what the rental market is doing and you obviously have less exposure to policy changes. Let's, let's walk through each one of those, Adam. Okay. So number one, mortgage rates in the last little while have increased, right? We've seen some increases. Um, We've seen that there's talk even this year of more increases coming. So if you were to buy pre-construction in this market, you just don't know what's going to happen over the next two to three years. Your mortgage rate might be a lot higher and it doesn't give you the opportunity to run different scenarios and know exactly what your payments are going to be. And you know what? A mortgage broker or a mortgage specialist at the bank can usually lock in a rate for what? It's somewhere between three to six months. Usually, yeah, usually a typical uh, rate hold would be probably about 90 to 120 days. Um, But here's the thing. Other rates can be held for longer periods of time for pre-construction. The challenge is that it's going to be at a higher rate, a higher than market rate, right? That's right. So there is some degree of certainty there, but you're going to pay for it. Exactly. So you don't have the advantage of knowing your cost structure when it comes to mortgage rates, those potentially increasing over time. Now, the second one is the appraised value. So this is a little bit more challenging. When you buy in the resale market, you get an appraisal book, typically during the subject period, you know what the property appraises for, and you're not on the hook, typically, for any extra money. So just to spell that out, if you buy a property and you pay 800000 for it, and say you write subject free, and the bank comes in and appraises it for $750,000. You could be on the hook for that difference. You 50. have to make up the difference, right? Yeah. So that's fifty k. So at least buying a property in this market currently, you can get that appraisal done. You know that you're not going to be on the hook. Or you can get out of the deal if you are. Exactly. But when it comes to a pre-sale property... Well, let's look at that. So say you bought something right now that you you think is worth $800,000, and then it comes to the time three years down the road, that property is now worth $700,000. Now you have to make up the difference in the appraisal. That's right, 100K, which is not easy to do. Uh, we should say it might be worth 900000 and Well, you never Historically, know. it has been, yeah. but we're just talking about Managing risks. risks. Oh, yeah, that's what we're talking about. Yeah, Number managing four, managing risks. risks. Okay, Matt, moving on to predictable rents. Okay, so predictable rents, what we're referring to here is when you're managing risks and you're looking at some, buying something today, you know what the rent is going to be for that property. If you're looking at buying a pre-sale down the road, two to three years, chances are there's not going to be anything kind of major rental market correction, but policies can change dramatically. So what we've seen in the last little while is a crackdown on Airbnb. We've seen some changes to the Residential Tenancy Act. We've seen changes to short-term rentals by Stratas. These are all things that can impact what your projections are in terms of costs. That's right. Let's go to policy changes. You've already alluded to some in the rental market, but there's been a ton of policy changes in the last couple of well, years. This is the last point for managing risks, less exposure to policy changes. So if you bought a pre-sale in 2016 and you're going to complete on it in 2019, you have experienced the foreign buyer tax 
Airbnb ban and crackdown, the empty homes tax, the stress test, interest rate hikes, and also the speculation tax that was just uh, put out this year. So congratulations for the pre-sale, <laughs> but there's been a lot of changes since you've bought it that you probably did not anticipate. Yeah, and I mean, even you think, oh, you buy a second home in Vancouver. I mean, the empty homes tax totally changes the game for you. Right, right. I mean, so there, those are those are all. It's it's been dramatic in this market. There's no question about that. Well, that's it. So for what we like and why we like resale in this market is because in a climate where policies are changing quite dramatically and quite quickly, you know what the rules of the game are when you're buying one to three months down the road. Don't let those goalposts move. Number five. So number five, Matt, start building equity today. Okay. Now why we've, we've talked about managing risk and everything else. Why do we like start building equity? Well, first of all, Everybody wants to build equity, so sure. start building it today. You can only do that in the resale market. Let's just take a step back with pre-sales. Why have people uh, looked like geniuses when it comes to buying pre-sales over the last five, six years? Well, they've played the price appreciation game, right. which has been a strategy over the last 25, 30 years in Vancouver that's generally worked. But it's not guaranteed. It's not guaranteed. What is guaranteed? You buy an $800,000 condo today, you put a tenant in there, they begin to pay your mortgage. So I've looked at a four-year time horizon here, which is generally, if you're looking at concrete pre-sales, that's how long it's going to be before you get those keys. Right. So in that period, using 3.5% as your interest rate on your mortgage over four years, you're going to pay just over $150,000 towards your mortgage or your tenant will. Now, Almost 85000 of that's going to be interest payments, okay? okay? So you lose that. But $70,000 is going to be going towards the principal. So you're going to pay down over that four-year period $70,000 and build that amount in equity. In the pre-sale market, you have to rely on the market going up to make any money on that property. Well, that actually reminds me of one of my favorite sayings. Don't wait and buy real estate. Buy real estate and wait. It's the equity, Matt. It's the equity. (laughs) Yeah, I'm Uh, I'm picking up what you're putting down. Number Number six. six. (laughs) Number six. Okay, so number six is you get to view the property before you buy it when you buy in the resale market. And this is actually, like, here's the thing. Fairly crucial. It is crucial. When you you buy presale, a lot of people are actually happy with what they get. But there are always little surprises. So, for example, there's a transformer close to the window that you didn't account for, Right. Um, that wasn't on, you know, wasn't featured or highlighted well, yeah, at the developer be, display, yeah, or a telephone pole right outside your balcony. That type well, that's of thing it. that you can't really account, you can't account you, for. It. Yeah, your parking has a, a a big exhaust vent above it, right? Um, that you didn't get to choose your parking. You didn't get to see your parking before it was built. Um, perhaps the hallway is not quite as wide as you thought it was, or the living room is a little bit too tight to the kitchen island. Yeah, and, and on the plans, it looks great, but when you get in, it's a little bit different. So there's well, there's all sorts of things that can go wrong. This is it. So this is when you actually buy in the resale market, you get to spend time in the unit. You get to feel out the unit. People can often just tell, this is the right space for me. You get to see the view. You get to take measurements. You get to see the parking. You get to actually tap the finishes and see the quality of the construction. These are all things that really, really help when you're buying properties. That's worth something. That is worth something. Number seven. Number seven, buying an established building. Now, what do we mean by that? Well, if you buy in a pre-sale and you get the keys on the same day as everyone else, it's like a blank slate. There's no culture in the building. There's no strata council that's formed. All that has to be created. And the fact is, 
creating a culture and a functioning strata is hard work. There's hiccups and it can be a painful process. We used to talk about stratas as being kind of small businesses, but it's actually more like they're governments, right? Useful you know, analogy. It, it is a useful analogy because some stratas that have developed over time, they, they are like little countries or little governments that operate. And think of some of like the best stratas out there, maybe your Switzerland's or your Canada's that are just really well-oiled machines with good leadership. Or alternatively, Matt, there are some that are not so great. Your Venezuelas. Your Venezuelas or your um, strata president uh, Trump. Yeah, uh, and, and that's stuff that you that you can't foresee when it comes to a pre-sale. But on the resale market, that's what the strata docs are for. Right. You can tell very quickly about the culture of a building. And the culture, how they approach things, how often they meet, is crucial. Is that so underrated? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that has to all be formed in a pre-sale. And there's a very, uh, there's a, there's risk that goes and, with and that. And that's it. And I like the resale market because I like to look at the form B, see the number of rentals. I like to review the minutes for the culture. I like to review the bylaws to see what kind of decisions and rules are being enacted. And always, Matt, I love to look at proven operating budgets. And operating budgets are overlooked, but where is this money going and is it being spent on the right things? Well, and also are the maintenance fees kind of jiving with that? I mean, a developer, uh, yeah, a developer might say, Hey, you know, the maintenance fees, 33 cents. It turns out in the first year, you got a jacket to 42 cents. That doesn't happen as much as it used to, but there's, there's those type of risks for sure. And you want to see a proven operating budget. So, so let's recap Matt, because uh, we kind of went through those kind of loosely, but number one, Price. Pre-sale construction is more expensive, often to the tune of about 25 to 30% higher than the resale market. Number two, ability to negotiate. You want to be negotiating with John Q. Public, who's got to sell, as opposed to one of the best and brightest working for a big developer. Number three, Fewer costs at completion when in the resale market. So for new construction, you have to pay an extra 5% GST. And there's also the costs of missed opportunities when it comes to construction delays. Number four, managing risks. We talked about locking in a mortgage rate, getting an appraisal done, predictable rents, and less exposure to policy changes, which we've seen so much of lately. Number five, Matt, start building equity today. Part of the reason that people invest and buy condos is to build equity. You're leaving about three years of equity building, maybe even four years on the table. Number six, view before you buy. We just spoke about this. This is expectation versus reality. Going through the unit, making sure it's the right fit for you, making sure that there's no unforeseen issues that you can't tell when you're in a display center. And number seven, Matt, buy in an established building or buy in the best possible government or country possible. Uh, Avoid a dictatorship. You don't want to be trying to immigrate to a better strata in a couple years. Exactly, exactly. So Matt, that was seven reasons why we think the best investment right now in today's market is resale construction. And now we're going to actually move to four bonus tips for people actually considering buying in the resale market. And we'll start with number one. And if you listen to the podcast, you'll know this one. Learn to love no photos. You know what? This is trademarked. Actually, it's one of your trademarks. So I'll let you take this one away. Matt, TM, trademarked. 
That's what TM stands for, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> Learn to love no photos. Um, this is one of our favorite ones. So basically, there's distressed sellers out there, and there's also distressed agents. So if an agent doesn't use photos, they're actually not only doing a disservice to their seller, they're creating an opportunity for you as the buyer. Because most people clicking through real estate listings all day long are not going to stop when they don't see photos. But guess what? It doesn't mean that it's necessarily uh, a horrible unit or it might actually have potential. Maybe the agent was just lazy. You need to explore that listing further. You need to get photos. You need to book a showing and do your legwork to make sure or have your agent do their legwork and make sure that it's not an opportunity because there can be some fantastic deals when the photos are non-existent or garbage. We, we've we seen a ton of them. And I, I would say, you know, realistically, you cut your market by 60 to 70% because oh, that a huge number of people are never even going to consider that listing. Number two, buy newer. What do we mean by that? Well, we mean buy newer, preferably in the last 10 years. Why? There's a 2510 warranty on all new construction here. That's why a lot of people love pre-sales. You're buying brand new and you get a warranty. Well, why not look for something that's built within the last five to 10 years that's still under warranty? Most of the economic life of the systems in the building are somewhere between 15 to 40 years. You're going to have a lot of time before any of the major, most expensive components of that building are going to need renewal. You're going to live maintenance-free for quite a while, you would assume and expect, and you're going to be under warranty still. So buy newer. And it gives us time for the strata to actually build a proper contingency fund. And the only other thing we'll say on that point is you'll know that the building is rain-screened. And mostly when stuff is built after 1999, rain screen regulations are in effect. So you'll know that the building has been rain screened. But if you're buying in the last 10 years, you don't have to worry typically about leaky condos. Investors love condos that don't leak. They also love predictability at cost. And that's what you get when you buy new. Number three, Matt, buy in a larger strata. Now this is an easy point, but unit entitlement matters. So we looked at two condos. Okay, Wait, wait, what do you mean by unit entitlement? Matt, unit entitlement is the portion of the building that you own as an individual owner. Okay, so for example, there's two buildings that we looked at, two units. One is in a newer building, 333 units. It's 589 square feet. The unit entitlement was 0.003. I love those point zero zero something unit oh, entitlement. Man. Two zeros is my favorite. Exactly. 0. 0. something. Double O seven. I prefer double O three. But uh, but here's the thing: your maintenance fee for this condo, five hundred eighty nine square feet, three hundred thirty three units, was two hundred eighty dollars a month. And on a two hundred fifty thousand dollar assessment, you're looking at. So just to break that down, if the building needs to replace something for $250,000 and they don't use any money from the contingency and they go to every owner and say, we need to collect $250,000, your portion of that $250,000 is going to be $750. That is $250,000 times my unit entitlement, which is 0.003. That's not a lot of money when you're talking about 250K. Well, let's take another example. This is in an older building, 49 units. A 70s building, right? 70s building. So again, 560 square feet. So a smaller unit than what we just discussed. Yeah, but very comparable, a one-bedroom, right? Yes, a a one-bedroom. And the unit entitlement for this unit, because it's in a smaller complex, was 0.023. 
okay? 0.023. Now, if we look at the maintenance fee, first of all, it's $346 a month. And the reason for that, of course, we should say is, is that there's not as many units to share the cost. So of course, your maintenance fee has got to be higher. Right. But look at this, Matt. If there's a $250,000 assessment and my unit entitlement is 0.023, I'm on the hook for over $5,700. Okay. So that's a dramatic difference. We're talking about example A, where it's $750 on $250,000 assessment, or example B, where it's almost $6,000 on a $250,000 assessment. So if you're an investor and you're looking at these two units, maybe the rent's the same, maybe the smaller, older unit is actually a little bit cheaper, but consider this, you get hit with an assessment in year three or maybe year four, that eats up any of the equity you've built and the risks of that happening are so much higher and the costs are so much more expensive in an older, smaller building. And you got to have that money on hand in most cases. Yeah, that's tough. And last but not least, Adam, this is another one I'd say I would give you this as a trademark. Thanks, Matt. I appreciate that. Believe the hype. Believe the hype. Yeah, so this is uh, something that came to me when I put out that rap album in the late 90s. But it, it also applies to developers in the lower mainland. Believe the hype. Believe the hype machine. And it doesn't mean that you have to buy at the new pre-sale, but when a new area is up and coming and developers are really pumping an area, think of your new West, right? Think of big budgets going into new West marketing and why this is going to be the next area, why this is going to be the master plan community. Take that momentum that a developer puts into effect and buy in a building in the area. Chances are if the developer is going to be charging a 25-30% premium for that product, your price per square foot is going to rise with the tide. So we always use the Joyce uh, by West Bank and sure. as an example near Joyce Skytrain Station. There's buildings in that neighborhood Boza buildings from 2005, right? Still very good buildings, still relatively new. They trade at five, six hundred dollars less a square foot than that pre-sale construction. And like we like to say, a rising tide raises all boats. So again, Matt, those four bonus tips for people looking in the resale market. Number one, learn to love no photos. Number two, buy newer. You get so many advantages with newer condos. Number three. Buy in a larger strata. Unit entitlement actually matters. And number four, believe the hype. Believe the hype. The Vancouver Real Estate Podcast hype. I think we made a very compelling case there. And you know what? Our opinion will change undoubtedly as the market changes. But right now, resale makes sense. There is no doubt in my mind, and I think uh, I think we made a strong, strong case. Yeah, Matt, but we should timestamp. We're terrific. This. We're terrific. We, we should timestamp this 2019 January 30th because honestly, the market changes all the time, and the opportunities change with it. That's why you keep coming back to the podcast. Am I right? <laughs> So there you have it, folks, our discussion with ourselves about why resale is so much more attractive at this point than pre-sales. And what I want to make clear, Matt, we've talked about this uh, ad nauseum and we just talked about it before we went live here today, but when there are always opportunities in different markets and in the pre-sale market where it might make sense to purchase today is if you're getting really, really great incentives, if you're getting a lot of free upgrades, if there's great deals on assignments because people are nervous or they were completely just speculating. 
Um, and, and then they finally, can't complete, yeah. yeah, and they can't complete. And then finally, uh, areas that are really set to grow. So high median household incomes, uh, new infrastructure projects, uh, lots of job creations. I'm thinking Fort St. John. Yeah, well, we should say this all applies to Metro Vancouver. I think the case we made is Metro Vancouver specific. Right. Outside, we've talked a lot about other pre-sales that I think really make sense right Langford now. Langford Tower this was a fantastic buy. Yeah, I mean, even Kelowna U8. Uh, exactly. That, that campus is growing, right? Sure. So, I mean, playing those markets is a different uh, a different project altogether, but we're talking Metro Vancouver, so we just want to make that clear. And Matt, there are always also benefits to buying pre-sale condos. And if you want to learn more about what those benefits are, you can visit us at VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. Head over to VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com where we have a news feed with the latest news, all the episodes, original blog content, tips, tricks, the deal of the month. It's all there. We also have a research tool called Private Client Services. Matt, if you are not using PCS, you are standing still while the rest of us power walk by. You get sold prices, days on market. It's basically realtor level information. It's at your fingertips. There's nothing better out there for searching for real estate in Vancouver. And it's free at VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. And if you have questions about pre-sale, resale, or anything else, you can also just give me a call. I love to hear from you. 778-847-2854 or matt at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. Or you can try me at 778-866-4574 or adam at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. We also got that secret Scalina line. He's not here, but he responds quickly. Info at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. Okay, guys, have a great week and we'll talk to you next week. See you next week. Two thousand spaces for radio. Subscribe today. Hey everyone, pardon the interruption. We just want to take a quick minute to thank the following sponsors who make this show possible. We want to take a minute to tell you about Holy House, a nonprofit organization that provides community building programs and tenant support services to low-income seniors, veterans, families, and vulnerable residents in the downtown east side and across the lower mainland. Melissa from our team has been volunteering at Holy House. Melissa, what's been your experience? Honestly, it's been so fulfilling just to spend a few hours a week in the community and watch how the staff really transforms these vulnerable communities from the inside out, starting with just small things, right? Playing games, drinking coffee, having some simple conversations that you wouldn't necessarily think are super fulfilling. And you come out just feeling like you've really made an impact and connected with the community. And you've been to multiple buildings, but you're playing games, drinking coffee. Yeah, you know, serving food sometimes. And you made some friends along the and way. I've made some friends along the way. It's really helped me be more present, actually, in those moments of just, you know, realizing how simple life can be to make an impact, right? Fantastic. And if you want to learn more, you can definitely check out Jenny Conkin, co-founder of Holy House, who is a past guest fan favorite on the show, or head over to holyhouse.ca where you can donate 
or volunteer and they're looking for both donations and they definitely like volunteers, that's hallwayhouse.ca. Vancouver needs your help. Be part of the solution. We are also sponsored by Oakland Realty. This is our real estate brokerage, best brokerage in the city, hands down. If you are in the industry, a new agent, an aspiring agent, somebody just looking to make a change, new culture, new energy, new resources, head over to oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. That's oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. Not only do you get to meet Michael Morgan and the gang, the big wigs over at Oakland, you get a huge incentive for first going to oakland.com slash join, typing in VRP 2020. 